The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you you want to run with the game changers you are definitely in the right place today the buzz is women at work woohoo let's get started women in the workforce today wield significant influence as drivers of change across industries across fields of expertise and guess what that's way past what it used to be when traditional female roles were oh you know hr recruitment yada yada that was kind of our niche that's where we were pigeonholed if you will so how is this change happening Well, one way is through something called ERGs. That's employee resource groups. What are they? A think tank style of networking forum that brings together the brightest, the most effective women leaders. And what do they do? They exchange ideas and they exchange strategies and a lot more. So question for all of you listening today, is your company leveraging this amazing power of ERGs? Do you even know what an ERG is? And if you have them, are you really using them to their best advantage? We've assembled a great panel of experts, three women today, who are going to talk to us about this. They have a lot of insights, a lot of expertise, so listen and learn. First up, I'm going to welcome Simone Morris. She's a diversity and inclusion leader, and she sent me the following quote from Marianne Williamson. Here's the quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Very, very deep, interesting quote. Simone Morris, welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm fantastic, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. So talk to me. Very interesting quote. I know it was a lot longer, but I just took the beginning of it. I thought there was enough meat on the bones here. So talk to me. What does this have to do with our talking about women wielding power at work? And I might say, finally. Go ahead, Simone. Sure. I think this is a dose of empowerment quote that inspires greatness. And when I think of it, uh, just the mere fact that she says, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure that really speaks volumes into what women can do in the workplace if we lean into our powerfulness, our strength. And she goes on further to talk about how playing small doesn't serve the world. And I think we owe it to ourselves to really play bigger. And the ERG space is a place where women can really shine, show their leadership, secure sponsorship from senior leaders in the organization and really catapult their careers to the next level. So when I think of this Marianne Williamson quote, it just sparks empowerment 
and it feels like a tool that you can go to whenever you're feeling less than to empower yourself to really do great things, whether it's in the organization or outside of the organization. She just fills you up with empowerment, and if you lean into it, you can really do some great things. Very interesting. I appreciate that, Simone. I have a question for you based on the second sentence here. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful. No, the third one, it's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. I've heard over the years, Simone, uh, probably I've heard this from when you were before you were maybe in the workforce, that women are afraid of success, that our biggest fear was that we will be successful. Any comments on that before we move to our next panelist? I think that is very true, Bonnie, because success is scary. Failure is equally scary, but the success in being able to handle it and uh, not succumbing to things like an imposter syndrome where you really feel less than. So I think the success can be scarier. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's a lot of food for thought, and thanks for kicking off our topic. Let me invite our second panelist to join us. It's Marla Britt at Applied Materials, and she has selected a quote from Maya Angelou, and here's the quote. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people never forget how you made them feel. Marla Britt, welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers. How are you today, Marla? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me. So talk to me about this Maya Angelou quote. Love it. So uh, Maya Angelou is actually one of my personal favorite writers and authors. Um, and I chose and I went through a lot of her quotes. I thought this one was a really great one because it talks about women. Um, it's, it's one of the strongholds for the power of women. This is something that women have done for a very long time very well. We have often been overlooked. As if you look through history, um, but our power resides on the way that we make other people feel and the way that we can change the world with what we do, even when we're not seen. Isn't that interesting? The way, yeah, they, they talk about way back the differences between men and women in the workplace and the way we communicate. But it still comes down to people, doesn't it, Marla? And yeah. the, the sense that how you made them feel. I don't, I don't care how high up the food chain you are in a company, you mm-hmm. still have feelings and you still want to be, what, appreciated, acknowledged, respected, all those good things. And, exactly. and women, we know how to do that. We do. Well, thank you very and much, Marla. I appreciate that. it. I think I think we do. I really do. Funny thing is I, I have a cable TV show. I have a couple of them, and my crew are all volunteers, and some of them have been with me 12, 15 years, and I don't pay them. I can't, but I feed them. I give them food, and I give them hugs. And somebody said to me, we're here, Bonnie, because you make us feel like family. You make us feel valued, and we're happy to be along to help the productions. Such a nice feeling to get that feedback, Marla, to know that people know and acknowledge that they are being appreciated. I think that makes all the difference, and you're so right. So let's bring on our third panelist. We're going to appreciate her as well. Her name is Bella Duvedi. She's at SAP in the office of the CMO, Chief Marketing Office, in the Mergers acquisitions area and she has quoted ralph waldo emerson let me read the quote do not go where the path may lead go instead where there is no path and leave a trail that's very provocative and very forward-looking bella duvedi welcome to hr trends how are you today i'm doing well thank you bonnie and thank you for the opportunity to engage in a discussion on women driving change I'll tell you, this is going to be a great conversation, and I know you, Simone, and Marla have a lot to talk about. I'll stay out of your way. So, Bella, talk to me about this very interesting quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Who is going to leave this path and and lead or leave a trail? Talk to me. 
Well, from my experience, every employee research group, whether it's women or others, every employee research group is essentially formed by trailblazers. You know, it begins with people like you and me and Marla and Simone and others on the, on the, in the listening audience who dare to ask, how can I improve? How can we improve? How can we change the game that we've been playing? And that's for both, you know, personal success as well as for professional success. But here's the key differentiator that comes in. These employee research group leaders, they take action. They start to do something. You know, they start to explore different paths. They often forge new ones. And my experience in working in different types of volunteer groups, employee groups, is that they're typically outstanding leaders, irrespective of their gender, their seniority in the organization, or their subject matter area of expertise, right? They are leaders, and we can all meet them through volunteer work, and it becomes an invaluable way to try and meet people who are doers, who drive that change, who forge that new path. Very interesting. And uh, the road less taken, we can think about all kinds of places in poetry. Uh, I guess that was for us, the the path less taken. Very interesting. Um, Question for you, Bella. I talked in the beginning about employee resource groups being a think tank networking forum where the brightest, most effective women leaders come together. But is there room there for people on their way up who haven't exercised or felt or seized their own power yet? In other words, can you leverage the people on their way up through the food chain and make it make have them take advantage of these brightest, most effective? Or is it an elite group, Bella? Yeah, interesting topic. Um, some of the groups, you know, as they form at a grassroots level, absolutely begin with that leadership group. But we're finding many begin from people who, who simply want to find ways to improve. And they're using it as an avenue to increase their networking. You know, and as a researcher or an employee group starts to grow, you have people of all styles. So there's constantly the meetings and discussions to decide how is it going to be of value. You know, what's in it for each audience in there and how can it be improved to help meet them, meet their needs, along with hopefully helping to meet the business needs, too. Thank you, Bella, for for adding to that. I have a very tough question for my three panelists. You all know what's coming. It's what's in your cup today. So tell me what you're drinking right now. Coffee, tea, water, juice, soda, anything. Did you make it yourself? Did you buy it? Was it a gift? Is it in an interesting cup? Does it have a history? Or if there's something blah in your cup today, tell me a story about the best something you ever drank. So let's start with Simone Morris. Go ahead. Sure. The best something that is my treat, uh, dessert, at any time during the day is a Starbucks green tea latte. I like to order it uh, extra hot, unsweetened, no foam, a tall size, and it really feels like a treat at any point during the day. So that's my favorite uh, coffee treat. Wow. A green, did you say green tea latte? Really? That sounds fast. What does it taste like? Oh, it tastes like heaven in a cup. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's very decadent. And, and uh, at any point during the day when you need to pick me up, it's, it's really great. Well, I just got a, I answered some kind of survey online, and Starbucks sent me a coupon. I'm going to use it. I'm going to get a green tea latte. Thank you very much. Good. Marla Britt, what are you drinking? So today I'm actually drinking, as I do most mornings, some low-calorie Gatorade. Uh, I actually got addicted to the stuff when I did the three-day walk for breast cancer. 
they had well, to that's drink a, about yeah. 16 to 24 ounces of the stuff every three miles, and we did 60 oh. miles. So, <laughs> I Marla, Gatorade, <laughs> Bra- and you actually like it. Bravo. When was this particular walk in what city? So I did, um, I've done it twice. I did it both times in San Francisco here. Uh, and it was, uh, in 2005 and 2008, I believe. Mm. Two years. 60 miles. I've also done the, uh, two day walks for Avon. Wow. Well, I will, I'm going to say thank you on behalf of everybody who benefited. Thank you for doing that. I have tears in my eyes, and they're real. Thank you, Marla, for sharing that. I think this is the first we've had Gatorade on the show. We, we hear a lot of drinks, but that's that's a new one. Thank you for that. And Bella Twivedi, what are you drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking today? So every day when I have the opportunity work to work from my home office, I start up with a simple pleasure, starting with a cafe au lait. And I have it down to a personal science with a 10-ounce coffee and a 6-ounce steamed and froth skim milk. And put it into my favorite glass. So once I've got myself armed with that, then I start going online and looking at some interesting stuff. Very interesting. Thank you, ladies. That's terrific. I don't know if uh, Mike Montalban is listening today. I'm not sure if he has tweeted yet. I'm looking to see what's in his cup. Uh, no, he's just tweeting what, what uh, Marla just said. By the way, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days, and you can imagine why. What can I tell you? Just plain water but with a straw so you can't hear me drinking while I'm on the air. Guess what? We're going to take our first break. We're off to a great start here. We're talking about women at work, specifically ERGs, employee resource groups. Have you ever heard of them? Do you know what they are? You want to know more? Think about a think tank. Think networking. Think a forum for the best and brightest, bringing other people up through the ranks and benefiting your company in really great ways. Women are no longer relegated to just HR positions, although some of them are there and they're doing a great job there too. I'm speaking today with Simone Morris, diversity and inclusion leader, with Marla Britt at Applied Materials and Bella Duvedi at SAP, Mergers and Acquisitions in the Office of the CMO. Great panel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and guess what? We're live today is woohoo! It's Uncle Sam's Day, April 15, 2014, in the U.S., and probably the same date most around the world. So if you haven't mailed those taxes, you know where you're going to go right after you listen to us. We'll be right back with a lot more here on HR Trends with Game Changers. Don't even think of touching that dial, that mouse, that app. Bread out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network with companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today hr tactics must be comprehensive and precise today's reality your hr department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce diversity and inclusion policies work-life integration challenges and more the bottom line you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals optimize your employee engagement and become an industry-leading employer of choice hr trends with game changers is presented by sap visit www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you 
You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Welcome back, and we're doing a deep dive on something called Employee Resource Groups, ERGs, today with Simone Morris, with Marla Britt, and with Bella Duvedi. We're going to kick off our marathon 30-minute nonstop seatbelts fastened, I hope, roundtable segment here, and we're going to start with Simone Morris. And Simone, you sent me in some of your notes before the show. You talk about ERGs are a free think tank for organizations to leverage more partnerships with the business unit. So why don't we do a really deep dive? Let's hone in on exactly what is a res- employee resource group? Who starts it? Is it women only? What kinds of companies have the big ones or little ones? And what is the idea of this think tank? Where do they meet and when? Let's really dissect this. So, Samar Morris, why don't you start us off? Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. Employee resource groups also, they have several different names. They were originally referred to as affinity groups and have been around for more than 30 years. You'll also hear them called network group, resource groups, and they're global in nature. They're not just about women as a slice of the population. It could be sexual orientation. It could be, uh, you know, gender, as we said, women. It could be ethnicity. There could be uh, African-American type employee resource groups. So they're different types. There's even disability resource groups. There is military uh, or veterans resource groups. So there's several different types, and many companies have them today, big companies like Sodexo, Dell, Six Cisco, uh, Accenture uh, are embracing ERGs and also in the nonprofit world as well. So you'll find them all over and they could be called a variety of different names. They are definitely a think tank for the organization because think of it as an internal focus group that is free to the organization where they get mm-hmm. to learn about their customers and or their employees of a certain demographic. So let's say you want to know more about women, your women consumers. You can tap into that group to help you innovate products to target to women. You can also use that group to address employee issues, um, you know, whether it's around uh, pay or uh, things that the organization needs to tweak. Maybe they want to have a room for women who are returning to the office from maternity leave to uh, Mm -hmm. breastfeed or do their breast pump or things like that. They really use these think tanks to come up with innovative ideas to better support the business and to drive business value, so whether it's from employee or from customer base. Simone, are these groups, and I'm going to invite Marla and Bella to chime in at any point. I just have another question for Simone, and ladies, please chime in. My question is, are these seen as a threat in some companies? In other words, what if somebody, a a management person high up C-suite says, OMG, N-E-R-G, here, they're really going to do that, and five of them are springing up? What are we going to do now? They're going to tell us what to do. They're going to try and change policies. Is this something to be feared if it's not understood? Simone, start that, and then we'll have everybody chime in? I think it can be feared, but, you know, it's, uh, I use the analogy, if you think about Twitter and, and people talking about companies and giving feedback and does the company choose to ignore it? Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. So 
organizations can embrace the employee resource group and use it as a tool to, again, better serve the business. So um, it, it really is an opportunity, but I can see people who don't fully understand seeing mm-hmm. it as a threat and also, I'm sure we'll talk about this push versus pull concept where, uh, yes. you know, the ERG is pushing the way as opposed to being pulled from the organization as a resource. Thank you. Marla Britt, Applied Materials, what do you what do you observe? Do you agree with the definition of ERGs given by Simone Morrison? What's your thought on how should they start, who should start them, and how do you make them powerful and productive but not threatening to management? Talk to me. I think uh, ERGs, normally you will find that they are oftentimes started uh, kind of a grassroots type situation. Um, mm-hmm. But they really need to have the support of executives uh, high-level executives even, normally kind of C-suite executives, talking about CEOs and CFOs, COOs. You want to have them, even if they are not of the same, um, the same ilk of the, of the group. So it doesn't have to be a woman supporting a woman's group. It can be a man supporting a woman's group. Um, for a long time, we actually, as an employee resource group here at Applied, had a man as our executive sponsor. Um, We currently have a woman as our executive sponsor for our group here in Santa Clara, but I would say that many of our groups have sprung up definitely kind of grassroots. Um, We've started them in Austin, Texas, Santa Clara, India, uh, India, and in um, Singapore, and the best thing about it is being worldwide. So ERGs really help break silos, and that's one of the things that I think they're very useful for in all these um, large companies and international companies. And so having them shouldn't be feared. Be- uh, Marla, I have one question before I, I bring Bella into this. Marla, have you ever been the one to knock on the door of that person, man or woman, at the C-suite and say, knock, knock, hello, we want to start an ERG. We need a sponsor. We have a good basis for this. Grassroots is swelling up. We know it will benefit not only members but the organization locally, globally, and we really need you to step up, come out of your door, talk to us, and help us start this. Have you ever been the one to do that, or do you know people who have? And how did that conversation go, Marla? Um, I actually have. I didn't have to do it for our women's organization, but I did have to do it for our African-American organization that started up here. So I actually put a little presentation together to talk to them about what does it mean to be an employee resource group sponsor. That's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest questions that they have. How much time is it? What do they expect you to do? Um, And then I actually got the time on on one of our uh, executives' calendar, and I sat down and I walked in, and and I will tell you the best way to do it is face-to-face. It's so much easier to say no in an email. It's so much harder when you have (laughs) someone in your face going, That's true. Do you really, you had 20 minutes for me today. I'm only asking 20 minutes every once a month. Can't you do this for us? And uh, it's the best way to go. And Marla, let's go back to your quote from Maya Angelou. People will never forget how you made them feel. If you make that person feel like it's a valuable thing and they're doing good for the whole organization as well as this grassroots group, you probably have a win-win. But you're right. Don't, don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes. Yeah. It would be an eye contact, uh, eyeball to eyeball kind of thing. Great points. Bella, I know you have a lot to say. Bella Duvedi at SAP in, in mergers and acquisitions. So what are your thoughts? Have have you ever been the starting person or on the starting team trying to get an ERG, or what's your observation and experience, Bella? Thanks, Bonnie. 
I have been with some of our founding business women network groups in SAP, but in the current role that I have, I'm also starting to work with parts of the world that SAP runs in on starting groups, right? It's a little bit of that pull versus push. The employee groups are often word of mouth, and we know that we have more and more women joining the workforce. So, for example, from the U.S., the 2012 Department of Labor stats show that over 57% of the professional occupations in the U.S. workforce are held by women. And there are similar demographics in other parts of the world. So we are proactively reaching out to some of the leaders in countries, you know, going in with, here is what the women's network can do. Here are some best practices from what it has achieved and some of the benefits that have been achieved, and looking to them to come back with, is this a model that they want to adopt? And we offer that helping hand remotely on how they can get it up and running. Um, The women's network is also something that we're looking to expand with our mergers and acquisitions, right? What better way, as we start to grow a family, a business family, Mm -hmm. to offer people a way to network that is at that informal level, Right, to get to know the culture of a company, to get to know people in the company, to, get, to be able to ask questions that sometimes may not be comfortable. You know, so the Women's Network offers a lot of those opportunities. Um, we are also looking to pair up with some of our customers. You know, we, uh, SAP is not unique. Our customers also have networks. Yeah? On one of the statistics that I think was published by, I have to look up the name here, hang on, Mm -hmm. by TurkNet, you know, their report says that over 81% of the organizations support an internal women's network. So it's a great way also to start building a partnership, again, at an informal level with Mm -hmm. leaders of other companies. Now, what kinds of groups, just briefly, uh, Bella, what kinds of ERGs are there at SAP? Just give us a a clue. Yes, so there are, uh, I'm actually having a meeting tomorrow to get introduced to all of the the wide variety of employee groups that we have within SAP. We have, um, as Simone was pointing out, quite a few that are focused on ethnicity, right? So for people of an African-American heritage, people of a Latin American heritage, people of an Indian heritage, people who want to form a group along those levels. We also have groups that are focused around solutions in some industries, so for people that are in the, uh, in the banking industry that want to discuss topics there. You know, and we also have, um, from what I understand, some groups that are around sports, so people that want to get mm. gather and form and be able to offer something from using sports as their basis. You know, so there's a wide variety of employee resource groups, and we actually have an internal port- portal where a list is provided that people can go to and get to know about them a little bit more. Very interesting. It almost sounds like internal to a company meetup groups, topics, but these are, are specific to women, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Thank you, Bella. Marla, I want to go to one of the points you, you sent me before the show, some more statistics here. You say ERGs have become commonplace. 90% of Fortune 500 companies report having ERGs way back in 2011, but you say they need to push for more say in their company. So my question to you is, Marla and, and the entire panel, 
our show has a broad listenership. We have listeners in at least 100 countries. We don't know exactly who's listening. We don't know what size company. We don't know whether they're C-suite, whether they're new employees, whether they're consultants, where they are on, I'll call it the food chain in the employee hierarchy, if such a thing still exists in that way. So my question is, Marla, what would a smaller company do? Let's get away from Fortune 500 and the big enterprises. I call them the behemoths. And let's talk about small to mid-size, the SMEs, or even even a startup. Let's say there's a startup that gets going a year or two later. They have 25 employees and three women. Is that an area that would be ripe for a grassroots ERG, or is that way too intimate a company for somebody to say, we want to have a group of our own? Would that be weird? Marla, what's your expertise and what have you observed? Company size. I think that uh, you find these oftentimes very much in the larger companies where you have um, a lot more people to do a lot of the work. Um, when you have such a small company, like you said, you have three women and out of 25, you mm-hmm. need uh, more people to do the work. In this case, even if you had a women's employee resource group, it may be much smaller and it may not do as much as the large groups do. Like our group has uh, 12 officers. Um, we actually mm. have events that holds for like 200 people. Um, you're not going to find those kinds of events. But what you can do with a small group like that is even if you're just starting up things like having lunch to sit and talk and talk about what issues you're finding in your day, having someone to talk to is a great way to help retain the women that are there. So it's still useful to small companies as an area where they can they can uh, speak to each other about the day-to-day influences in their lives. Um, the other thing that it can be very useful for is also these women can connect to other women at other companies, and that's when it really comes to helping the business. Um, if these women form their own group and they start meeting up with, say, the women's group at Applied Materials, right, or at a customer site, then they become a force for the customer's voice within their own company, and that's amazing. Okay, thank you very much. And let's get Simone Morris in here. What do you observe in terms of ERGs? What would be the minimum company size or department size where it would work, where it makes sense? What do you see? I'm going to go back to the startup conversation and the example that you used, Bonnie, about 25 folks. I think okay. uh, some of the things that I'm seeing with companies is that they're combining uh, different groups. So if you don't have enough to just do a women's ERG, you might do you know, a multifunctional uh, or, uh, you know, women are not just women. So I can be a black woman. I can be a Latin woman, you know. So there are different mixes, and you can do cross functional ERG, so to speak. So they could potentially start small and have a mix and explore the topic of diversity and inclusion and do, as Marla was saying, you know, engage with external organizations, getting best practices and getting the learning in and finding opportunities for their companies to innovate more or to better support their customers. There's still the opportunity in a small size group to explore and really push the envelope and differentiate yourself there are uh, conferences, you know, organizations like Catalyst, uh, you know, where you can really get a lot of insights for women uh, and bring that knowledge back into the organization. So there's definitely opportunity. I just think where you are on the maturity scale is, is at a different level, you know, and you, you're on uh, a different part of the journey. 
Thank you. And Bella, I'm going to bring you in because I have here in your bio that you were an entrepreneur and you founded a company called Bellatrix. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Software focused on delivering solutions, aligning business needs with emerging technology. So how big was your, your startup, your uh, Bellatrix software, Bella? And did you, I like that using your name in it. That's actually a beautiful name for a company. And uh, how big was the company and did you have any ERGs or was there an urge for people to gather in something like that? So prior to my joining SAP, my uh, work experience was predominantly with with startup organizations, and the startup organizations ran in size from two to under a hundred. And mm. since many of them were technology based, trying to do a women's group would have been laughable. You know, there, there wasn't okay. enough mass to be able to do a women's group <laughs> okay. in the technology startup. So that may have changed now. I'm going back a little bit in time here. But what did work often quite well is that startup companies are either in a university environment or a technology hub area or an incubation environment of some sort. Mm -hmm. So it was not uncommon to do a women's lunch, almost like a women in technology. So it wasn't called an employee resource group. Uh It was more of a, uh, a birds of a feather type of gathering. And the forum served the same purpose. You know, it was to, to network, it was to discuss challenges, to compare as to who else had faced challenges, how they had addressed them, and be able to take some learnings back and use them for yourself. You know, and I think the future, as we look at the changing workforce, yeah, that's not going to be an uncommon situation, right? I mean, I think there are statistics out there that now start to point to about two-thirds of an employee workforce for a company is truly employees, right, that there is a pretty significant portion, in some cases up to about a third of a company's workforce, that is not on that official payroll, right? So it Mm. is the, the contract workers, it's the contingent workers, it is people that are hired for specific projects, statement of works, it is outsourced work. You know, so that also starts to lead to the conversation of how do we start to engage, right, or include some of the people in those types of forums. So, you know, within SAP, one of the things we have is we've got location-based employee groups, but we also have a virtual women's network group. Interesting. That Thank is a you. Possibility that you know. I think for us all to consider sure. as we continue to grow. Sure. Well, we live in a virtual world. I'm going to bring in something from your notes, Bella, and I'm going to ask everybody to comment briefly because I want to go in a very different direction after this. Uh, we talked about men as potentially. Somebody said you can knock on the C-suite and say to a male executive, "We want you to be the sponsor of our women's employee resource group." And the question is, what is the role? And, and Bella sent me in the note. She said, "I'm frequently asked why the women's network is." For women only, wouldn't it be stronger if men were included? And Bella's answer is simple. Men can and should be included, but as speakers, as sponsors, as participants at the behest of the network leaders. So, Bella, why don't you kick this off very briefly, then I want to go around Marla and Simone and have them comment. What is the optimal role for men in a women's ERG? Bella? I think optimal role would have to be figured out by each local group. What I see as a pattern, what I start to see work more effectively, is that the founders of that group, they define, you know, what the real mission is, who are the leaders, and then they start to, of course, network locally and, and add people in. So we've got a mix. We have absolutely these women network groups 
where men are included because the, the mission is to help improve, right, the women as well as the business. Now, if they have partners who are male who are absolutely on board, absolutely they come in as participants. But more frequently, they come in as guides or they're asked to be sponsors um, because they can provide a great sounding board, you know, for discussions, mm-hmm. questions that arise, and they can help to promote, you know, the, the value of the network to their audience and their stakeholders. Of course. Very good. And Marla and uh, Simone, who wants to chime in on this? I know you two have something to say. Marla or Simone? Hi. Uh, this is Marla. Uh-huh. Um, so I would like to say um, I think it depends on what level the ERG is at. Um, oftentimes there's kind of three levels that ERGs kind of um, are formed in. So at the beginning they're really figuring out, um, they're creating an or- their organization, and I really think that's uh, strongly a- – particularly for a women's ERG, should be done by the women. It's, it's an opportunity for them to write a mission and to write their vision. Um, for us, we are actually a bit further than that, and we are actually bringing in men. We bring them in as members to our group. Um, we keep our leadership all women so that our leadership can continue to be a place where women can come and test their leadership skills, a safe place within our company for women to come and, and really test it out, right? They can fail and it's not it's not going to drop a million dollars, right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh what we do is we open up our membership to our men. So they're coming to our meetings and they get to see the things that we discuss. And I think that's totally important for them to be part of bringing women to the forefront and to be on our team as we try to mm-hmm. succeed. Um, if they're not with you, then they're against you, right? So that's what they say, right? We want them with us. We want them on our team, um, and so we actually bring them in. We've had some wonderful speakers. Um, Naomi Ayota, who is the head of R and D for it used to be Alpita, was now bought out and is Micron in Japan. She came and spoke. Her husband was the first man in Japan to actually take paternity leave. And it was great to have her as our customer come in and talk about that experience and for the men in our company to see her discuss it as, you know, this amazing thing. And they wrote books about him and articles and everything. And they were just like, wow, I can, I should be. I, I should be, you know, <laughs> much considering more considering it that I took my paternity leave, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they see it as something that, look, even even her husband took paternity leave, right? Why am I not taking my paternity leave? Um, so it was it was a great eye opening situation for them, and we've had a number of speakers who've come and spoke like that, um, and they get to see kind of a woman's perspective, particularly an executive woman's perspective, who may have had right. to make some decisions. <laughs> about her family versus um, versus professional life that they never had to make. The tables have turned, haven't they, Marla? The women are often making the do we move or don't we move because my job is the job, yes, that's going to either pay the bills or it's going to be the future of this family. Good point. Simone mm-hmm. Morris, I know you want to say something about this. Men in ERGs, yes, no, maybe? I def- yes, I, I definitely do. Um, I think we want to be careful not to run the risk of making people feel excluded from being a part of ERGs. So I think across the board, you need to have allies and, uh, you know, not just just as participants or guides, because the ERG is an opportunity to learn and uh, give opportunity to create diverse 
opportunities. So I see men can take on roles, leadership roles in a women's ERG. Um, I see men as sponsors. And I think it's a great opportunity to do that. I think you're going to have a hard time recruiting them in to do that because oftentimes you really have to do a sell to say, this is not just for women or this is not just for African Americans. So you're really pulling them in to get them to participate. You're really having to diversify your programming so it's not just targeted to women. So it is an opportunity to make people feel like this is not just a siloed group focusing on women. Yes, the focus is on women, but there's opportunity for men's perspective. You know, I've seen men sponsor women's ERG, and one could argue that you're able to tap into more clout, uh, get more opportunities from having a man executive sponsor than a woman. I've, you know, I've seen differences. So I, I think that you can see men play a role in any part of the ERG, what I think the challenge is, is getting them to embrace that role and want to participate in that way. Thank you very much, Simone. I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction. We have about five minutes till we're going to take our break before we get to the predictions crystal ball round. I know you're all excited about that. We're going to talk fast forward five or six years. Everybody seems to like hindsight is 2020, so you can take your predictions to the year 2020 instead of specifically five years to 2019, but I digress. I want to talk about something in uh, Bella Dwivedi's talking points. It's a little bit off topic, I think, but very important some statistics here. Bella says women with a team sports background are better equipped for the business world. This could be very much fodder, I believe, for an ERG agenda. She says business is about winning and losing. It's about teamwork, the preparation to achieve successful outcomes, quick decisions, and a fast-moving game. And, of course, the parallels between business and sports are many. And you cite an Oppenheimer study that showed 82% of women in executive-level jobs had played organized sports in middle, high school, or post-secondary school. Very interesting. Bella, talk to us just briefly about this, and then I definitely want Marla, who we know is a good walker. We want Marla and Simone to chime in on this. So sports and business, where did this come from, this this concept? Does this have anything to do with ERGs, or should it, Bella? It actually came more from a personal observation. Mm-hmm. I have two girls who played team sports and are now in the workforce. I've also had the pleasure of seeing many of their peers, you know, young men and women, enter the workforce, and I started to see a big difference in behavior, you know, how quickly they adapt, how they respond to situations. And, you know, when I've had time to think about it, you know, it occurred to me that a lot of it is simply the skills they learned on the sports field. So it was not a case of were they the best player, did they win, did they lose. But, you know, the number of times we go to tournaments, the kids go to tournaments, They go in with high hopes. They hit a team that is hitting them hard, playing dirty. It's immediate Mm -hmm. how quickly that team bonds, regardless of any personal differences that may have been there. Uh, We're going to win, right? Or if they lose a game, they have moments to basically shake it off and get back in and figure out what's the next strategy to win. So there was a personal observation, and then I started to read up about it. And I will say the statistics surprised me also. I personally did not know it was a huge research topic, which is why I quoted a number of the, of the stats that I found. It's amazing, you know, from what they're saying that about 19 out of 20 C-suite women had a sports background, a team sports background. 
Very interesting. You're quoting here Beth Brook, the vice chair of Ernst & Young, who said not only do the majority of senior women execs have sports in their background, they recognize the behaviors and techniques learned through sports are critical to motivating teams at work and improving performance in a corporate environment. Great information. Thank you very much for that, Bella. Uh, Marla, I'm sure you have something to say on this. Let me give you about one minute, and then we're going to get Simone one minute, and then we're going to go to break. So, Marla, what are your thoughts on the sports background of all these executive women? Uh, I have to say I'm I'm happy to hear that since I have a big sports background. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I played basketball, softball, soccer, and I still do. Um, you go. Some ACLs, <laughs> had some shoulder surgeries. I'm <laughs> it makes me feel good about my future. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you now you aren't you I, glad I you showed up and played on this team today, Marla? Of course you are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do the legend, Marla. Yeah, actually yeah. the the statistics. Do not surprise me, and I think it's actually valid for men as well. I think you learn a lot of leadership skills being part of a team, even if you aren't necessarily the leader of the team, right? Mm-hmm. You learn a lot about how to turn a team, how good things and bad things that leaders can do as a team, even as a follower. Um, you also learn how to buckle down and work hard, right? <laughs> Even when you're losing, uh, how That's to right. show up for practice every day, do your best, um, even if you can't win. Um, and it's, I, I think it's, it's an amazing thing to be learned. And I think that's, it's a, one of the grounds like an ERG where leaders are formed. Yes. Um, so it's great, uh, and an, a great analogy to an ERG. Um, creating a team, learning how to lead a team is, is a lot like a sports uh, team. So, Thank you, Marla. It is also learning that it's a game, and there will be yeah. more games. I think that it's the game mm-hmm. comes, the game goes. There's a season, there's a reason, there are teams, and it's part of a culture, a, a game culture. Uh, Simone Morris, we want to hear about what you think about the idea of sports. Are you surprised by the statistics of the number of women in executive leadership roles who have played team sports somewhere in their schooling? I can give you exactly one minute. Go ahead, Simone. Sure. Well, I need to start out that I play volleyball, so I am right. uh, definitely playing sports as well. I, I think that um, I think that's good information to know. I mean, whether you need that or not to be successful as a ERG leader, um, I think there are different ways you can gain what you need. So I think passion is definitely important to you know to stay passionate about the cause and really pushing forward. I think resilience is equally important. So those things you can get outside of sports. And, uh, you know, back to the point about uh, someone having the skills automatically coming, it's this elite group. Uh, ERGs are an opportunity for high-potential employees to build and demonstrate their capabilities. And if they come in already with passion and resilience and drive that they haven't gotten from sports, they can still do very well as an ERG leader. Thank you very much, Simone. Right on the money here on time. I'm Bonnie D. Graham speaking with Simone Morris, Marla Britt, Bella Duvedi, and we're talking about women driving change at work, the power of employee resource groups. We've learned a heck of a lot. This is this show today is like a how-to of what is an ERG and how can your company start them and embrace them and who should sponsor them, who should be in them, who should speak with them, and the mood and the how do you get them going and make it beneficial to everybody. When we come back, guess what? You know, it's the 
predictions round. We call it crystal ball. I'm going to ask my three panelists to take a look. Right now during the break, go find that Steuben ball or whatever kind of glass it's made out of. I don't care where it is, the attic or the back of the trailer or in your sports bag, and pull it out and take a look and see if you can see clearly to the future, Simone and Marla and Bella. What would you think we would be talking about if we reconvene, which I hope we will, in the year 2019 or 2020, which would be the clearness of a clarity of hindsight. We'll be right back with the crystal ball right after this moment of break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is HR Trends with Game Changers. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are. We're certainly following an interesting trend of something called ERGs, Employee Resource Groups, learning everything you need to know. Very, very good conversation. We're going to kick off our predictions round now with Simone Morris, Diversity and Inclusion Leader. Simone, let's take two minutes on the clock. Why don't you look ahead to either 2019 or if you love the idea that hindsight's 2020, go six years out to 2020. If we had this conversation then, Simone, what do you think would have transpired between today and that point in the future as far as ERGs go? Talk to me. Sure. I think that employees are going to realize the power of employee resource group leadership. I think they are going to be seeking the role as opposed to the organization trying to uh, give the role to high potential employees or really to convince people that this is an opportunity. Employees will realize that this is, in fact, an opportunity where they can manage their career, they can shine and uh, really thrive uh, by the exposure from this type of role. So I think you'll see a shift in push versus pull. I additionally think that from a technology standpoint, ERG leaders are going to have to embrace technology more in their strategies, do things like gaming, uh, just creative technology use to gain membership and to really keep the eyes on the ERGs. I think the traditional means are, in fact, going to be challenging and people, people will be, you know, more mobile as we're doing today. So getting away from the traditional PC or the email communication and just being really creative, uh, doing some game type things, reward type things to get people engaged in ERGs. 
Thank you, Simone. And we have a little bit of time left over for you. I'm going to ask you to touch on one more point in your notes you sent me that we didn't talk about, the opportunities for ERGs to push the agenda for women-owned business, and you subtitle that supplier diversity. Why don't you just talk to me in the next five or six years, how will ERGs help the idea of women-owned businesses, will help foster and push forward that agenda? Sure. I, I mean, I think right now the focus is really on internally and talent and professional development. I think ERG leaders will get additional education as time progresses, really understand the marketplace and be looking for additional opportunities to prove value. So supplier diversity is an area where you can really help companies to bring more women-owned business into the organization, have them use them for their services. And I think ERGs will start to become versed in how to recognize uh, talented women business owners and be, you know, putting that in the face of the organization and and really pushing for those women to have a place at the table to, to support businesses and to really grow. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Marla Britt. Marla, what do you see five or six years from today? What's the future hold for ERGs? Or rather, I'll flip it, what do ERGs hold for the future? Thank you, Bonnie. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to agree. Simone actually took one of my first points was that. Um, Say it again. <laughs> I think that companies are actually going to realize that employee resource groups are a great training ground for their leaders, and they're going to start promoting people and looking at the deeds that they do as employee resource group leaders and using that as their basis for promoting them up through the ranks. Um, And that means that people will turn around and start thinking about being employee resource group leaders and trying to be them, trying to be part of it and pushing, whereas right now, like she said, it's a pull. It's what is is in it for me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to be we know exactly what's in it for me. The last person who is the leader of this group got promoted into this role, and I want to do that too. Um, the other thing that I think is going to happen is that about 5%, I'd say, maybe, of the Fortune 500 companies are really going to take it to the next level for their employee resource groups. They're really going to start tapping into them for their voice of the customer within their company. A quick question for you, Marla. A woman comes into an organization, they don't have ERGs. It's a decent size, mid-size, let's say mid-SME, mid-mid-size enterprise. How long would a woman need to wait, in your opinion, before she starts uh, shaking up the grassroots a little bit and saying, hey, ladies, we need an ERG. Let's go for it. How, how long do you need to not be a newcomer before you are the voice of starting? In other words, an insurgent, or how long do, before you incite to riot? I hate that phrase. But go ahead, Marla. Quickly, what do you advise women coming into a new workplace? I would say maybe about a year or two, when you get ready to start an ERG, you need a a group of women to work with you and beside you, to be your team and support you. So you need kind of a year or two to scout out and make your your support network. Um, Great. So I'd say about a year or two. I've seen people do it with less. Uh, We actually Mm -hmm. had one start up for new college graduates here, and it was a new college graduate who had been here for 
maybe five months, but it was very easy for her to do it. She just looked around and she said, everybody who's a new college graduate who started on the same day as me, come join me, right? <laughs> it was organic and it had to happen because how long can you still be a new college graduate, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm, thank you. I'm going to have to give Bella her turn now, Bella Dravedi at SAP. I'll give you exactly two minutes, Bella. Look forward for me, please. Predict what would this conversation be five or six years from today. Go ahead, Bella. So I'm going to try. I'm going to make a provocative prediction. Please. I think the ERG term, where it begins with employee, will morph to something new. I don't know what the new term will will be or what the new acronym will be, but I see it turning into something more along the lines of a WRG, a workforce resource group. Ah. The workforce is radically changing. Um, there are the increase in the amount of opportunities that are available for people to work intermittently or work on project basis or work virtually, they are continuing to abound. And I think it also speaks to women's strengths, you know, of wanting to always strive for that work-life balance slash control to be able to choose from those opportunities. So I think given that the change that's going to happen in the workforce, and as both Marla and Simone alluded to, it's the employees, but we gain more and more strength by including our partners, our suppliers, our customers, our vendors. So, again, more of a workforce resource group focused mm-hmm. rather than purely an employee-based group. Yeah. I also think the format in which, you know, the resource groups engage five years from now will be radically different. We've all seen, you know, even in the last five years how quickly – the technology has moved, and how quickly we are changing how we collaborate with social media. For example, Mike is tweeting as we're going. Would mm-hmm. he have been doing this five years ago? So no way. I can't, I can't predict what the future will be you know, in that, but, hey, I don't think I can fail with a prediction that the format of how we network and how we collaborate will be quite different by the time we talk again in 2019. Thank you very much, Bella. Right on time. That gives me a chance to do my predictions. I wrote them down so they're easy. Today is Tuesday. That's why we're here with HR Trends with Game Changers. But that means tomorrow's coming and it's Wednesday. Time for Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thursday, it's the day for Future of Business with Game Changers at 7 a.m. Pacific. And then we start all over again next Monday. Yes, I take Friday off from radio. Monday is Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 10 a.m. Pacific. And we'll be right back here on HR Trends with Game Changers next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much to my three extraordinary panelists. Very articulate, very passionate, exactly what we were hoping you would be. Simone Morris, thank you. Marla Britt, thank you. Bella Duavedi, thank you. And thank you also to Mike Montalban, who was just cited by Bella. He's been tweeting his little fingers out there on hashtag SAP Radio, where we asked him to capture the words of wisdom of our guests. Mike is also supporting the series, which is sponsored by Carolyn Cahote at SAP. And thank you to Brad, our engineer, and the Business Channel team at Voice America World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. You know, you've heard it a hundred, maybe two hundred times. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow right here on the Business Channel, 8 a.m. Pacific on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Have a great day. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another live edition of HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. Bye-bye.
Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.